welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. God, I thank you that it's always been you. The love that we can have for you is only such a mere reflection of the love you have for us. I thank you for the grace. I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you that you meet us in the middle of our mess, but you love us so much that you want to pull us out of it. We are awestruck in your presence, God. We thank you that you are here with us in this space. And God, I know that you've got something for us today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me get out of the way because you want to unlock some things in people's hearts. You want to break chains, you want to give freedom, and you want to give purpose. We declare these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm already a mess. It's going to be a good one. Thank you, sir. What a beautiful new song, don't you think? Like, that's been the cry of our heart as a church, is just pressing into everything that God has for us, but it's all in response to everything that he's done for us and the fact that he'll meet us right where we're at. I feel like I'm ready to sing. I'm going to grab a guitar today. We're just bringing things to the front. (laughs) Don't clap too hard, Debbie. You don't want to hear that. I don't want to push the spirit from this place. We want to invite him in. Let him have. Melissa told me it's good to keep the singing to myself, so I just trust her. I trust her word. Um, But if you're a guest with us today or you haven't been here in a while, we've been in a series called On This Rock. And we've been exploring the writings of Peter in 1st and 2nd Peter and then reflecting on his life and his relationship with Jesus to see what we could glean from that, to see how he wants to inform our lives to respond through it. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this is part eight this week. Uh, so we've had a lot of weeks. You can catch up online anytime that you want. But we kicked things off with part one being the rock. Because Jesus, in a conversation with Peter, was telling him and his disciples that on this rock I will build my church. This rock being Jesus, who he is. And then he renames Peter rock and says, hey, you're going to be a part of it. And I'm going to build my church through you. And as more disciples come, and what can that look like? And then last week, Melissa brought a word that has been on my heart all week long. Expect the unexpected. Be ready for visitors. The visitor, his name is Jesus. So are we ready for him? Are we remembering who he said that we are? Are we remembering what he's done in our lives? Are we repenting? Not a swear word, but a word that just means turn to the other direction. And are we going to God? Are we reaching for him? Because we want to be a part of everything that he's doing. She made a face because I just forgot an R. That's okay. Ready, then reach. I just mixed them up. I got them all. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, But this week, we're going to go to the beginning of Paul's writings, to the start, to reflect on everything that we've done in these past eight weeks. And if you've got your Bible with you, 1 Peter's where we'll be at, 1 Peter 1. Uh, but before we jump there, just want to let you know, like the Bible's not something to be intimidated by. 
The Bible is the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God that gives us wisdom and guidance in how to live our lives, not to give us rules on how to earn God's love, but to give us guidance in how to not cause ourselves pain so that we can live in the fullness of what God has for us. It is a love story about the God of the universe who created everything so that we could enjoy it with him. And then he gave us free will. So through our free will, when we made a bad choice through Adam and Eve, sin entered in, separated us from God until it culminated with him sending Jesus. Jesus who would die for our sins so that we could have direct access to God. That's what this is. This is a love story about a God who loves us so much that he's not trying to withhold his love but give everybody access to it. And in 1 Peter, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you're taking notes today, the title of this message is A New Hope. Star Wars fans, that's not where I'm going. But I will start with the story and then go in the past and then go into the future, if that'll make you feel better. Just by following scripture. Some of you are like, what's he even talking about? Like, anybody else get confused by Star Wars? Starts with episode four. Darth Vader, it's awesome. A New Hope, Luke Skywalker. So many parallels to the Bible, but I will tell you, Luke Skywalker is not Jesus. And then you go back in time and you like this little Anakin dude, like, oh, he's cool. Wait, he's going to be Darth Vader? No way. How's this going to happen? I just got to see the next one. Some of you are tracking with me. Others are like, are we past this yet? But I watched them all with my boys a couple years ago, and they were like, why is the quality just, like, it was okay, then it got terrible, and then it was better? Because it was all out of order. Got me all confused. But sometimes within God, we, we get things out of order. We get things backwards. So when we think about a new hope and who Jesus is, that's where we can start, is in who Jesus is. And then God will reveal the rest to us. You with me? I feel like my voice is echoing extra special today. It's that Darth Vader vibe. <laughs> but I want to read this again for you, 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing this letter to churches that are being persecuted as they were trying to spread the faith of who Jesus is. And he's later in his life as he's pastoring a church in Rome. And he wants to encourage their hearts. And the first thing that Peter does, all he can think about to do is to praise God. Is to praise the Father in heaven for sending us Jesus. That's why we start church service with worship, because it's us giving praise to God. He has given us this incredible gift of grace and mercy, and we get to respond with our praise. Because we do not want to take light or forget about the goodness of who God is, that we can praise him in all circumstances. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. When you step into a relationship with Jesus, you have a new life. You have a new name, just like Jesus renamed Peter, Peter. His name was Simon. He says, there is new life in you. And that's what he's calling into each of us, saying, hey, there is new life into a living hope. Hope. We define hope here as a confident expectation of a greater tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. 
That's what hope is. Hope is Jesus because Jesus came. It is a living hope that we can count on. We can expect God for big things because of his promise he had given us. In the Old Testament, promise after promise pointed to a Messiah and he sent him and his name was Jesus. If you see that happen and the fact that he said he would die and on the third day raise again to life and it happened, you can trust him right now in your struggles. Into a living hope, but it only happens through the resurrection of Jesus. From the dead, just to make sure you know what it meant. Like resurrection from the dead because he once was dead and now is alive. Whatever you're facing in your life, whatever challenges you've been up against, the pain that you've been in, the sin that you've struggled with, he's saying, look, there is a new living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. You cannot earn it yourself. There is nothing you can do to gain the love of God, but Jesus paid the price for you so that you can have new life. Don't miss it. Don't let go of it. And you might be in a difficult season right now, but God wants you to know that there's still hope. There's still hope for your circumstances. There's still hope for the pain that you're in the middle of. There's still hope in the midst of the sin that you might be struggling with. There is still hope. There's still hope with a loved one that might be struggling. You're figuring, how can, how can I be there for him? I don't really know. God, what do you want me to do? You can have hope. You can pray for them and say, man, I'm going to trust in who God is and what he says he can do. And I'm going to believe that there's still hope. Here's an example from Peter's life. So the disciples had been following Jesus for three years. The statement when Jesus changed Peter's name came right on the back end of Jesus asking him, who do you think that I am? And he responded, you are the Messiah. He says, you are right. The Messiah was the one they were waiting and they anticipated him to come and overthrow the government and take over everything. So they had been following Jesus just waiting like, all right, I'm waiting for the moment. When's he going to take over? When's he going to show these Romans what's up and that God's going to run this thing? They're just waiting for it. And he's like, hey, but I'm going to die. And on the third day, rise again. Like, what? You're going to die? No, I'm not believing that. Because it was right after Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church. And then Peter was like, no, you're not going to die. And he's like, get back from me, Satan. <laughs> this is how I read the Bible. Jesus was foreshadowing what was about to happen, but then when he ultimately was put in jail, when he was crucified and had died, there was this moment of waiting. There was this moment of what is happening, what is going on. And when Jesus died, they didn't even get to properly embalm his body. So Easter morning when the women went to the tomb, they weren't going there to show up to see, is he really risen like he said he would? No one had believed anything that Jesus had said. They were going there to properly embalm his body. They were bringing the spices necessary in order to do so. And when they went there, the tomb was empty. Angels came and talked to him. Then Jesus came and talked to him. Like, hey, go let them know what's happening. And they show up and they say, hey, guess what? Jesus is alive. He is risen. He's back. Well, someone came and told you someone that was dead is back to life. How would you respond? I'm probably like, you're crazy, right? Let's just be real. Like, we need to go to the doctor ASAP. We need to get you checked out. Let's have a conversation. You okay? 
And that's how most of them responded. In Luke 24, 11 to 12, it says, but they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Like, girl, you're crazy. <laughs> Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Peter was like, hey, there's a little bit of hope. There's a little bit of hope. You're telling me he's gone? I got to check this out for myself. So it just takes a little bit of hope. It just takes a little bit of faith. It just takes a little bit of believing in what God's doing. It just takes a little bit of hope. And he's like, man, I got to get there. I've got to get there. And then he gets there, and then bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So we had this hope. You ever had this hope, and then you show up for it, and then the response isn't there, and you're just like, ah, oh, hope's gone. Lost my hope. But that's the worldly hope. That is the worldly hope of wishful thinking that, hey, I'm really hoping, crossing my fingers, behind my back, toes, legs, all of it, like, up, I've hoped, and I've fallen down and hurt myself. My wife's like, that was an awkward position. I could just read her face. You know, when you're married long enough, you're just like, yep, don't do that, move again. So Peter shows up to the tomb, and it's like, okay, well, I'm still confused at what's happening here. In your life right now, there might be some confusion and you have a little bit of hope. Don't let it be worldly hope. Let it be godly hope. Let it be the confident expectation of a greater tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. Let it be because of what he's done in your past and the way that he's shown up and he's been there for you. The fact that he even died for you and saved you. If he never did another thing, he's done enough. Let that hope be the hope that you have because it could have been easy for Peter to sit there and be like, well, I'm confused. I'm just going to lose all hope. But you need to know that there's still hope. As I was reading God's word and I was studying it this week, some cool popped up and I was reminded of because there are two dudes going to Emmaus that have an encounter with Jesus. They didn't even realize it was Jesus. They had been walking with him forever. And then Jesus breaks bread and they're like, oh, it's you. And then they run back to Galilee to let all the disciples know that Jesus is risen. Jesus is still alive. And as they burst into the room, this is the first thing they said. It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Like, wait a second. He appeared to the two of you. How do you know he appeared to Simon? Here's, here's what I like. Peter went away, linen, confused. At some point between that moment and this moment, Jesus showed up to Peter. I don't know what that conversation was. I don't know what that conversation looked like. But he showed up to Peter. But when they came back, they're like, hey, he showed up to Simon. Some of you just so desperately want to step into your purpose God's given you, but you allow the, the words that other people speak over your life to affirm that truth as opposed to the truth God's laid on your life? Because that's not Simon, that's Peter. That's a new creation and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Some of you today have got to stop living in the lie of whatever the world has deemed you as and say, no, I'm a child of God. I am a new crea creation through the living hope that is Jesus. That's who I am, and I don't care what I'm facing. I don't, I don't care if it seems like all hope is lost. There's still hope. 
That's the hope that I have. Not because of anything that I can do, but because of who Jesus is. Jesus took the time and met Peter. Man, what was that conversation like? What happened in that discussion? Don't worry, I'm still in 1 Peter. That was just that reflection moment. Because now we're going to head into 1 Peter 1.4. After the resurrection, it says we also land into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So not only do you receive new life through a living hope because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you also have an inheritance in heaven. You got a treasure waiting for you in heaven. And this treasure is so magnificent that Peter couldn't even put it in words, but he could tell you what it's not. He's saying it's not going to perish. It's not going to spoil. It's not going to fade. It's like, hey, this is something so good and nothing can change it or take it away. God has an inheritance for you in heaven. You want to know what's even more cool? You have access to that inheritance right now. No interest fees at all. When Jesus taught us to pray, he says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have an inheritance in heaven, but he's saying when you're living with a faith and a hope in Jesus, you can access that inheritance now. That's how we can walk around with joy that circumstances can't touch. You can have that hope right now. It's whether or not we want to accept it. It's whether or not we want to embrace it. Charles Spurgeon, man, this quote hit me. I was like, hey, babe, you got to hear this. A great theologian, but here's what he wrote. He said, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. The hope that we have in Jesus allows us to live such a fulfilling life filled with joy because of what he wants to do in our lives that our faith will continue to grow. Following Jesus is that I've passed the finish line and now I'm going to heaven. When you've you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believe that he died for you and rose again, yes, you're going to heaven and there's an inheritance there. But God's saying, but there's so much more. You have access to it here and I want to do things through your life. Let me do it. You can have hope no matter what you're facing. So you need to stop accepting who you were as who you are. Because you're in a new life in Jesus. The old is gone and the new is here because of what he did for you, not because of anything you did. So stop letting the world call you Simon when your name is Peter. When you can say, I'm a rock. Jesus is the rock, but I'm a rock that's part of it. Brick by brick, we're seeing his kingdom built. Brick by brick, we see his church growing, not the building, but his people reaching a city and a nation and a world that so desperately needs the hope that we have in Jesus. So we have got to believe that this new hope and the hope has a name, the name is Jesus, and that he can change all things. Do you believe it? 
I don't, I don't feel like we're excited enough about that hope. Do you believe that that hope can change the world? Because if we don't believe it, then what are we doing here? My heart breaks on the daily for my desperation for people to know Jesus as you just look around and see the hurting and the broken. People that are continuing to lose hope all the time. It's like, oh, I just want to give them the hope I have, though. Because my hope isn't the worldly hope. It is that confident expectation. I know that God will show up in their lives. I know it. But we cannot accept who we were as who we are because God has created us new in Jesus. So here's something that's cool. Because you might be saying, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You know the mistakes that I've made. Yeah, I've accepted Jesus, but I've strayed so far away because I continue to mess up and the enemy's trying to keep you in shame and condemnation. Peter was probably feeling that a little bit too. Because at the Last Supper, Jesus told Peter, you're actually going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. You will deny that I am the Messiah. You will deny that you even knew me. He was like, oh, I would never do that. I would die for you. But he did. He made that bad choice in a moment. We've all made bad choices in a moment, things that we might live to regret. Here's something that is really cool, because when those women showed up to the tomb and when the angel spoke to them, check out what it says in Mark 16. It says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Put your name there because he wants you to know. Because he's saying, and Peter, because he wants Peter to know And he didn't say, and Simon, he said, and Peter, because he's a new creation. Let him know that even though he might have made a mistake, even though he did the thing he thought he never should have, do not let him stay in shame. Let him know that I've risen and I'm coming. Please, just let him know. That lets you know why Peter ran, because when they showed up and shared this with him, Peter's like, what, me? Oh, I just got to get there because I've got this hope. And Jesus said, me? He's saying, you. Doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. When it feels like all hope is lost, you need to know that there's still hope. And Peter. the unconditional grace of Jesus. The fact that he would want him to know that because he knew what he was struggling with. 1 Peter 5, or 1 Peter 1, 5 says, who through faith are shielded. So this is a continuation from what we had just been reading. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Saying you can still have hope, but it's activated by our faith because we will be shielded by God. God will protect us, but it starts with faith. Faith, a confidence in things hoped for, a belief in things not seen. Faith, 
Because Jesus is coming back. It's what Melissa talked about last week. Expect the unexpected. He is coming back, but until he does, we can have faith. And that faith will activate a protection from God who will sustain us through it all. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Like, well, wait a second, wait a second. We're talking about hope here. It was feeling really great. And then we were talking about rejoicing. Yes, I can celebrate that. But you're going to suffer many trials. Ooh, I don't like that part. Can we just uh, wipe that out? Jesus shared. He said, look, I've had to face struggles. You're going to face struggles too, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And you can actually rejoice in the midst of your struggles. That's what was happening for Peter in that moment. He was struggling. He was feeling the weight and the heaviness of having denied Jesus. Look, let me, let me paint that picture. So if we even go back a little bit more, the moment when Jesus was arrested and they had been coming to and asking like one time, hey, Peter, weren't you with Jesus? No, never heard him. Two, Peter, weren't you with Jesus? No, I never heard him. Three, boop. Started swearing. I never knew Jesus. Denying Jesus the third time. And then it says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This was the pain that Peter was carrying. You ever had someone do you wrong? Like there's pain and struggle that we're going to face in life. And it can be self-inflicted or it can come from the world. And here's a perfect example of both because Peter inflicted that pain on himself by denying Jesus. Jesus, he was suffering for all of our sins. But to lock eyes with Jesus in that moment and the pain that he must have felt. And he had just been carrying this. But that's how good Jesus is because he kept saying, and Peter, he met up with Peter. He wanted Peter to know that there's still hope. He wanted Peter to know that I love you anyways. He's, he wants Peter to know like, hey, I called it out before it even happened. And I still washed your feet because I love you and serve you. That's who Jesus is. I've had a lot of self-inflicted suffering within my life. I've had moments where I'm wondering like, hey, God, where are you? And I made the dumb decision to be hanging with the wrong people, getting arrested. Sitting in a jail cell Finding myself praying for the first time to a God I didn't even believe existed or certainly didn't love me. But hey, I'm going to give this a try. Experiencing the heartache of loss within family and then feeling like, yeah, God doesn't exist. I never knew him. But then that moment when I encountered Jesus for the first time, the way that he hit my heart and I felt his presence so strongly, I felt all of that wash away. Like, man, I've denied him so many times. I've been living in suffering for so long and still he showed up and loved me anyways. Still he showed me hope and extended me grace. And it is available for all of us. But there's struggles that we face within our lives. 
Peter, that self-inflicted one. Another in the fire, the song that we sang. It's about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Three guys that would not bow down to the world because they would only praise their God. And they got thrown into a fiery furnace. But when the king looked into there, all he saw was the three of them dancing and there was a fourth. And that was Jesus in the fire. There's struggles that we face. There's things that we go through and God is refining us for something big. There's a phrase I live by. It's, it had to happen. We can question things all the time, whether it's self-inflicted or it happened outside of our circumstances or control, but God is using it to build us up, to build our faith. Peter talks about it as we continue in 1 Peter 1.7. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, the greater worth than gold, which perishes, and even though refined by fire, may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. In life, when you're squeezed, what comes out? Is it the hope you have in Jesus so that you can rejoice in the midst of your suffering and people go, wow, they're going through what and they're still honoring God and praising God? Or when we're squeezed, do we act just like everybody else and they go, yeah, see, why do I need that God? But it's having the faith to know that even when it feels like all hope is lost, there's still hope. There is still hope in Jesus no matter what you're facing. Whatever circumstances you're up against, there's still hope. Like, man, those sound like some deep spiritual things. You know what? I was rejoicing in suffering this morning. We got a truck that we pull a trailer with. Last week, after church, I went to back it up so we could load it up. And I heard a pop. Steering stopped working. Oh, great. This is awesome. Now what are we going to do? Well, we got to sit there and praise God because first we got here, we had church, and all of our stuff is stuck where we have church again. So I think we'll be okay. It's like, yeah, I, now we got to struggle. It's a pain to have to deal. Who likes dealing with car stuff, right? Nobody. All the mechanics said Amen. Got it fixed, was like, yeah, I'm rejoicing again. Picked it up yesterday. Got here extra early this morning. Like, I'm just going to reattach this trailer so that after church we're ready to go. I go to back it up. I'm getting it aligned just right. And that wasn't a good pop. That sounded like one of those little push things that pop up. Like, pop. It popped again, okay? And I couldn't turn anymore. Broke again. I'm like, what? But then I look over at my son who rides with me early. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that that didn't happen Now I was driving with him. Thank you, God, that that didn't happen after service when I'm driving with a 10,000-pound trailer behind me. Who could have been injured or hurt then? I will rejoice in the midst of this suffering because I know that there's still hope. And I will not allow this to pull us back or deter us from stepping in the glory of God. I will look at it as an attack from the enemy, and I will declare his promises. I will declare his truth because I know that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. It's the perspective that we look at our suffering that will make all of the difference. And it's choosing to say, I will have hope in the midst of it, whether it's a small thing or a big thing, because all of them are small to God because he's in control. 
but he's doing something because he wants to use it to refine our faith. There are things that need to be melted away and pulled back. The enemy will want you to feel like you're in the fire so that your sin can be seen and now everybody's going to look down on you. And God's like, no, there's just some things I'm taking away. God's not looking at you saying, hey, that's what's wrong with you. He's saying, no, that's what I want to pull out of you. Let me do the work. God will not force anything to happen to you, but he will allow it so that those things can happen because you will be better for it. Man, we've been through some trials. Man, we've been through some fires. And when I reflect on it, I go, it had to happen. The heartache and the pain. If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be ready for this. Someone say, man, I'm being impacted by gun violence. So was I. Stepdad shot and killed at the age of 10. How do you respond to that? Well, I know some other people now that might be going through that, and I know how to walk alongside them. Because I know the choices I made, starting to smoke weed and drink alcohol at the age of 10 just to try to numb that pain inside of me, like that was not the answer because I was so lost 12 years later until I met Jesus changed everything. When it feels like all hope is lost, you need to know that there is still hope and that God is still fighting for you. And sometimes the fires you're in might be self-inflicted, so you stay there longer than you need to. And I'm declaring right now that some people step out of that fire because there is a hope and that hope is Jesus. It's accessible to all of us. We don't have to stay where we're at. Stop being defined by who you were because you are a new creation. See, what's cool then is after Jesus rose again, the disciples are back out on the boat and they're just fishing. And John is like, yo, isn't that Jesus on the shore? And immediately Peter throws on his little garment, jumps in the water and starts swimming toward him. He just had to get to Jesus. He had made the decision. He's just struggling and he's still carrying this suffering and this pain of the decision he made. And he's like, man, I just need to get to Jesus as fast as I can. That is an illogical faith and that's cool with me. Because the boat, I don't know, might have got there quicker than he could swim. I would imagine so. But he saw Jesus and he just couldn't help it. He had to go after him. When you are struggling in the midst of suffering and the pain is hurting you, do not run from Jesus. Go toward him because he's waiting for you. Don't allow the enemy to prevent you from doing that. Don't allow your insecurities and the shame that you're feeling to prevent you from going to Jesus because he's like, man, I might have messed up, but I've been hearing him call my name and I want to go after him because he's the only one that can give me relief. Because when it feels like all hope is lost, there's still hope because Jesus is on the shore. And he's got us. And there's a purpose for the pain. We might not understand it in the moment, but he's using it to refine us. And after they hung out for a while and Peter's talking, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Peter is having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus asks him, do you love me? Peter's like, of course I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then Jesus asked him a second time, do you love me? Of course I love you. And it happens a third time. And at this point in time, Peter's response is like, man, why does he keep asking me these things? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. 
Sometimes when God starts to reveal things in our hearts and he wants to speak to them, it can hurt and we allow that to run away from God. He is not condemning you. He's convicting you because he's changing something in you for the better. Because that's how good he is. He is not pointing out what's wrong with you. He wants to pull things out of you because he has the best intent for you. And Jesus just says, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. What Jesus is saying to him right then is like, hey, you deny me three times and I just want you to know I've forgiven you. Not only have I forgiven you, but I have purpose for your life. I'm telling you to do something. This hope that you have in me, this hope that's drawn you close to me as I've been calling your name, now go and make a difference. Go and make an impact. Because when it feels like all all hope is lost, there's still hope. And when you have hope in the name of Jesus and you trust in what he's doing, when you have that hope, you can give that hope to others. There is a new hope. First Peter 1, 8 to 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We might not physically see Jesus, but he's there. We might not audibly hear the voice of God, but he's there because of who he says that he is. It's the hope that we have in him, and we can know that there's still hope. And we can trust that he's got us, and our best intent is in his heart and his mind, and he will forgive us of any mistakes that we've made and the suffering that we're enduring. There's purpose for it. And we can be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I love that phrase. Inexpress- like you can't, the joy that's inside of me, I, don't, I cannot put to words what it is. You ever felt that way? You just want to yell and just let it out because you were so overwhelmed by the love of God. He's saying, yeah, you can live in that joy no matter what you're facing. you've already received the inheritance you already have your salvation but I'm storing more for you up there but don't miss out on experiencing it now fully fully experiencing the kingdom of heaven fully living in the salvation that we have because of this hope that we have in Jesus we've just got to remember that no matter what state of life you are in whatever you are facing that there's still hope Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible, he he puts 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5 this way. What a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future 
The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. There is a day where there will be no more weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be no more pain. But right now, the reality is we live in a broken world that's infested by sin. But God is saying, I want to use you to be the hope of the world because you have the hope, a new hope that is Jesus living within you. There's a new hope we can cling to. And yeah, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died, rose again and is now seated on high, but it is still so new and fresh in our lives that we have that hope in Jesus. What's part nine look like in your life? What's the next chapter of this saga look like? Because if on this rock, you will build your faith because you're trusting that the rock is Jesus. Ask yourself today, if there's still hope, God, help me live in it. Because there is still hope in Jesus and help me share with other people. There might be someone here today who's like, yeah, I want that hope and I need that hope, but I don't know what that looks like. We never leave a service without giving someone an opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus. Because this new hope is available for everyone. God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There's no checklist that you have to fill out or no process you have to go through and say, no, I believe in who Jesus says he is. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. And it's through that belief that you have salvation. It's through that belief that you are created new. It is through that belief that you can have a godly hope. And I'm going to ask right now, if everyone wouldn't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes, because I want to give people an opportunity to respond to that. And I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you today and you want a relationship with Jesus, I would just ask that you'd shoot your hand in the air. Because one, you need to know that Jesus died for you. Two, he loves you so much that he will never leave you there, that no matter what you've done, whatever mistakes you have made, that the suffering that you're living in can stop because he brings a new hope and he's calling you by your new name. And three, if that's you, would you be so bold to shoot your hand in the air today? Just lift it high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can go ahead and put them down. God, I thank you so much for those who made that decision today. I thank you for those that said yes to a relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would continue to speak to their heart, that you would give them this new hope that is in you, and that they would be able to live out of it each day as they go. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.